everyone. Welcome to episode 69 of the Stallion Pantate Podcast. I'm Jason Ackerman. And I'm Yvonne Ackerman. And I'm Matt Holler. Oh, we have a guest. Yay, special guest in the studio. And he brought coffee, my favorite. We're yeah. best friends now. For episode 69, we had to make it weird in here. <laughs> oh, it's getting right? weird, all right. So today we have Matt Holler, co-founder of Farmers First mm-hmm. Coffee. And uh, that's all we know about him now. Yeah, we're about to find out some more. We're about more. to find out a lot more. So why don't you give us a little intro on yourself? Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for having me first and foremost. Uh, love what you guys do. Really, really cool. Uh, just listen to your travels and your Instagram and looking at all that food all the time is making me hungry every time I see it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so my name is Matt Holler. Uh, I am somewhat new to Charlotte here. been here for about a year's time now. Uh, and as you said, I'm the co-founder of Farmer's First Coffee Company, uh, one of the newer coffee companies here in Charlotte. Um, and I, we kind of are unique in a way that our entire goal is to kind of try to connect you to the story of coffee, uh, starting with the people behind it. Uh, so what we do is we work with farmers directly in the countries of both Honduras and Peru, uh, sharing the story of the farmer and really a socially based company uh, working to improve their income and quality of life and also working to get you better coffee as well. So. Uh, that's the quick and easy. So how'd you get to Charlotte? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, it was actually a few steps before that. I um, moved to Peru first. So I was actually finishing up uh, my master's degree up in the Ohio, if you've heard of that. I think you have. Um, <laughs> Ohio? <laughs> Never yeah. heard of it. So uh, I was actually finishing my master's degree and had had gotten into coffee a few years prior while I was living and teaching English in Honduras. And, you know, I really decided that I didn't want to take that traditional route and I wanted to do something fun and just continue to play and try my darndest not to grow up. So I moved to Peru for eight months and it was actually just all with a goal to start a company that was going to work to, you know, improve the livelihood of coffee farmers as that was something I got passionate about while living in Honduras. And, in, we were just kind of starting and it was actually the first couple of weeks we were down there uh, well before really we had anything at all. Um, we just started working, working to figure out how we could get coffee from this place, bring it somewhere and sell it, you know? So it was kind of a big task that um, we ended up connecting with a roaster out in Shelby um, who uh, we just kind of struck up a relationship with him rather quickly before we had any farmers, before any importers, before we did our Kickstarter campaign, um, before anything at all. And we just kind of got talking to him and we were able to uh, further that relationship as time went on and things evolved that it's pretty much the only reason we ended up in Charlotte, but it was a pretty wonderful, I don't know if I'd call it a mistake, but uh, just a coincidence more or less, you know, it's been a wonderful city to start a business in and just a wonderful city that is, I believe, embraced craft culture in a lot of ways, whether it be coffee, beer, or just food in general. It's really cool to see a lot of room to grow and a room to work and a lot of collaboration between uh, everybody within the craft culture here in the city. So it was kind of random. Are you still roasting in Shelby? Yep. So we uh, have been partnered with him for about a year now, um, really just working to get our company up and off the ground that uh, we kind of wanted to partner with him so that we could really get out there and share our story. So that's how we've been able to really get to know Charlotte pretty well. We've done a lot of events, a lot of different uh, festivals throughout the city, throughout the state, um, all the way down to uh, we farthest we went this year was Kansas City. And that was... Yeah, we love Kansas City. That was love actually probably my one of my better food experiences of the yes, year for sure. They have the best food. Go to Joe's Kansas City barbecue. We tried, but we didn't. The Too line, the right? Line. No, it was just late Sunday night. We did a big food expo and it was like, yeah, I think it was closed or something. We went to two of them that I don't even remember because we were just so busy, but yeah, one was real fancy and the other one wasn't. And the fan- not fancy one was better than the fancy one. Yeah. But yeah, for yeah, sure. I forget the other names. But yeah, there was like it's all good there. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I was very impressed with Kansas City overall. It was, it was a cool trip. Yeah. Well, so, I, I love the packaging on the Farmer's First Coffee, though. It's got the image of the farmers, and then you give trading cards, too, when people <laughs> order the coffee that has an image of the farmer um, and gives you know a little bit about their story. And I saw on your website, too, you have this 
transparency section where mm-hmm. you say like how much you purchase from them and how much money they end up making. Exactly. I mean, that's so cool. I mean, has that really resonated with people? Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And uh, I believe it has. You know, it's been uh, a really fascinating ride just trying to do it a little bit differently. And that kind of stems back further um, in the story of my time living and working in Honduras when I learned anything about coffee at all. Uh, it was actually a donation from my grandmother of $1,000 that led me to a nutrition center that was feeding over 100 kids school meals each day. So uh, with that $1,000, they were able to buy meat once a week for four months. So um, a lot of problems with malnourishment and just you know overall poverty that kind of started to get me asking questions. As I learned, it was a coffee community that I hadn't given much thought to, but you would see you know, all these people load up by 20, 25 people in the back, in the bed of a truck going to work every day to go pick coffee. Um, and as time went on, I just was really amazed of a, how much better it could taste than what I previously knew of coffee and B just all the hard work that goes into it and everything like that. So, um, that's kind of where it all stemmed from. And, you know, that's where the ambition to create something that was really going to reward and help tell this story, um, was born from. So, uh, that's kind of why we were working in Peru and Honduras. And the bag you have in front of you there is uh, actually the first farmer we ever met, uh, Daniel Diaz. We like to call him the protector of the forest. Uh, so he's a oh, really... Yeah. He's, I can see that in the image. Yeah, you can see it in his, For sure. his kind of <laughs> worn, leathered face. Uh, but a really, really cool guy. And he's actually uh, just outside of the city of Moyobamba in Peru, uh, which is in the northern um, northern regions uh and he was actually the leader of a cooperative called Fruit of the Jungle for five years. And he's all about his organic practices and reforesting the land and education for people in his community. And, uh, you know, getting to know him and getting to spend time with each of these farmers has allowed us to bring this, you know, product in a different way than most people are used to. You know, it's coffee, right? Local coffee, roasted in Charlotte, roasted wherever it's roasted. So, you know, one thing when I talk to people, whether, you know, it be on a podcast or trying to w- reach out to a new business is, you know, sure it was roasted for 12 minutes here in Charlotte, but what our uniqueness is, is the locality of the farm of Daniel Diaz himself. And, uh, you know, by singling out farm by farm as well, it allows us to get a bit of higher quality too, uh, that it's kind of a win-win that, you know, we're helping to boost their income from the get-go and sticking with them as a commitment year after year to help them continue to raise in their income, continue to invest in their farm and their family as they see fit. And the theory is that coffee will get even better and better and better as time goes on. So, um, you know, we're, we're just doing our best to tell that whole story uh, as much as we can. So when we were talking about this with Tamara and Zan with the chocolate too, I mm-hmm. mean, it's, you know, it's funny because like coffee and chocolate, I mean, these are, they're luxury items, but they're also items that Americans have no problem spending quite a bit for. And yet the people on the, you know, at the beginning of that process are making, you know, pennies. So um, I just think it's great that we're trying to like kind of, you know, fix that, that broken system there and kind of give back to the people who give us these things that we really can't live without. (laughs) Right. Well, and even just look at our food as, as a whole, right. You know, sitting down with each other and eating together is one of the more sacred things we can do. And it's, you know, very much a part of being a human is eating together and and the tribe that we are that, you know, just that idea, that connection, that, that bean was actually handpicked, that 60 beans makes one cup of coffee. And that actually connects you to Daniel. You know, that was something that was just so powerful to me when I saw it firsthand that, you know, back in 2013 in Honduras, I asked myself, like, how can, how can I stay rooted in this? You know, and a lot of it was being rooted in, you know, these people who have so little and that we're working to give back to, it was more so what they taught me rather than trying to help them, quote unquote. You know, I uh, try to look at it more of creating an opportunity rather than helping um, because what they need is an opportunity. They're more than capable of taking care of their farm and, you know, doing the things they need to. They're very, very smart. They don't need my help. They need a real opportunity. So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And Phil, love that. Food is our, that's like our humanity. That's mm-hmm. what, when I used to teach English, that was, uh, I taught this Raven oh, nice. Carver story called A Small Good Thing. Have you ever mm-hmm. read that? I have not. Because you're yeah. such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about that. So that, what was, t- what was teaching English in Honduras like? <sighs> that's, that's a loaded question. Um, it was really, really great, but also challenging at the same time. Yeah. Um, have you ever had a boss that doesn't speak the same language as you? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> right? Well, then top, top that with uh, a somewhat non-confrontational culture. Right. It right. was kind of weird where I could just 
you know, do what I wanted and I was young and I did what I wanted half the time. They were like, you know, we trust you. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really good though. I had a great group of kids. I taught seventh and eighth grade. Oh wow. Uh, English, math, science, and literature. That luckily their English was really good because my Spanish was really bad at that time. Um, I've made a lot of progress, but still a work in progress on that front. But um, you know, it was good. It was a challenge to work without really any resources or guidance at all. That really pushed me outside of my comfort zone. Um, and then the fun part of it all was the weekends when, you know, I was two hours from the, the beach or I lived in the mountains already. I mean, it's just a, a beautiful country that uh, it's really interesting of a country when you get to know the history of it and the people and the culture behind it. Um, especially if you've seen much in the news right now, it's a place that people are very afraid of and they don't want to go there. And, you know, you look at it for the first time and it's it's pretty raw and it's pretty real. And I imagine you guys have seen some similar stuff listening to where you have been throughout the world. Uh, did you get outside of Lima at all? Went to Cusco. No, okay. so we were really just but in like the, the tourist yeah. area. You were in an outskirts. Yeah. So it gets, yeah. Lima goes from like. Well, we, we, we walked through some bad parts of Lima. Yeah. Yeah, Lima does get. <laughs> it get, but even really when you get 20, 30 minutes away from your yeah. borders, yeah. those sorts of places, it's like 100 to zero really, really fast. Yeah. Where. You get off the plane in Honduras, you're just rock bottom from the beginning. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting because all the things you hear with the drug trade and the um, the political problems and everything, it's all true. And it's not that it's not an issue, uh, but it's really only half the story. And, you know, to me, it was just really inspiring to be able to see that other side of it, that, you know, that giving and that sharing that was just so abundant in in Honduras, whether it be just giving a ride or, you know, sharing a meal with somebody in the neighborhood. Uh, you know, there was al- always somebody looking out for you. Um, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful country that, you know, overall that experience really left me kind of confused, I guess, when I got back, you know, because it was such a clash between, you know, the reality of coming home, taking care of your responsibilities as an adult and all this compared to that reality of not being able to provide food for your kids. You know, it was just so stark of a contrast that um, it definitely left an impact with me and, you know, half the reason why I'm interesting enough to talk to you guys on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you did some good there. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was a really awesome, awesome year. And I actually just got back for the first time in September and I'm also heading back again in another 10 days here. So. So how do you go about finding the farmers? So that's a good story of how it initially happened. Uh, We moved down to Peru. My business partner, Robert Durrett, was down there uh, doing his master's degree. Uh, We met in Honduras where he actually owns the D&D Brewery slash Eco Lodge. Uh, It's a really wonderful, wonderful place, Uh, full restaurant, make all the beer on site, all kinds of tours, bird watching, kayaking, waterfall hiking. Uh, it's really awesome place that uh, him and I are the ones that kind of started this together. So we really just started from scratch and, you know, we were just kind of getting our flow together. We started by reading a couple books about coffee and, you know, cause I knew some as a hobby, but none of us had really worked in coffee or knew much at all to have the audacity to say, Hey, we're going to go to Peru and just do this. Um, so it was actually just a random cold email to the importer we now work with that had an office in Lima. Um, so we show up there and, you know, Robert was basically like, you know, I, I told you to be in charge of this week to set this agenda. You set up this meeting. This guy speaks English. I want you to take care of this. And I was like, oh, okay, no problem. You know, I'm the guy that's going to throw it out the wall and see what sticks. Um, but he was just kind of adamant that like, ah, we're not quite ready to do this. We've only been talking about coffee for two weeks. What are we going to say to these people? We're not even ready. Um, so we get there and three men walk down and clearly none of them actually speak English. So he just kind of gives me this look like, damn you, I'm actually going to have to do all this. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> and, um, you know, luckily they hit it off about all things bird watching in about the first 10 minutes and about hour and a half later, as I tentatively struggled to listen along and try to understand what was happening. Uh, you know, we essentially got invited out to the countryside to come meet some farmers and just basically do an exploratory trip. So, uh, we did just that. We put some questions together and we went to four different farms, four different cooperatives, four different regions of Peru. Uh, so it was really awesome, awesome trip through the Northern parts, Cajamarca, San Martin and Amazonas were 
uh, the three regions we're now working in. And then we went to a, a beautiful place called Chirinos, which is way high up in the in the mountains and in the clouds. That was uh, really, really advanced uh, cooperative. That was cool to see. But, you know, we essentially just gathered as much information as we could, learned as much as we could. And we came away with two things. And number one was we just need a better job. The income isn't nearly enough. Uh, from our calculations, a family of four typically receives about $2,000 in profit per year. Uh, so it's going to lead to things like lack of educate, access to education, healthcare, food, all those sorts of things. And then they just literally gave us the idea to feature their story. You know, they, they told us they felt all alone out here. They have no idea where their product goes. There's no clue what happens as soon as they hand it off to whether it be a cooperative, um, there's somebody called a coyote, which is another um, possible, you know, way that the coffee can go in the supply chain. And, you know, so we just gathered as much as we could. We put a plan together of this is going to be our model. We flew a photographer down from Honduras to Peru. Six weeks later, ran the same exact trip, talked to the three farmers, told two of them, hey, we're going to buy your coffee. Do you, you know, would you like this deal? Would this work? And then we talked to the cooperative and, you know, basically we're able to convince them as well. And then we went to a third farmer who was Emiliano and, you know, essentially said, hey, we don't know if we're going to be able to buy your coffee this year, but we want to. So just hold tight and we'll see what we can do. So uh, we then finally brought it back to the importer and they essentially said, yeah, for sure. Um, and this is a U.S. based company as well that um, it's really been amazing to see the support that a couple of random guys just showed up with nothing more than a placeholder as a website and that they actually gave us a chance and believed in us that we could do something. So that was all really awesome. It was really great. We did these in-depth interviews that were about 60 questions, 15 coffee specific, 45 of them were, who's your hero? What's your biggest fear? What's your biggest accomplishment? Really just trying to get to the depth of them and really start to create a real relationship with them. Um, and then we went back to Lima and we're like, okay, what the heck do we do now? So uh, that's when we turned to Kickstarter, uh, which we basically spent about three months planning, a month actually performing, and then a solid two to two and a half months after that, waiting for the coffee to arrive and doing all the product development um, and everything for that. So that was a really, really cool experience, just learning how to navigate those waters. And luckily it went really, really well that we were able to hit that stretch goal, work with three farmers from the get-go, and we officially launched our company after fulfilling all of those orders just before Thanksgiving and we were one year old as of Black Friday this year. Nice. Did you know your donors? I saw you highlighted them on your website. A lot of them. Um, you know, it was a really interesting. So how much did you raise? Uh, we ended up in the top 1% of all drink projects. We raised 53,000 from wow. 616 backers. So, um, you know, the initial goal was 50,000, but um, from our research, you know, it kind of said shoot low and let yourself hit that goal and let the crowd come with you. So we set the goal at 35. Mm -hmm. and I think we hit that in like six days or so. And then we um, reached the final goal in the last couple of days before it ended. Um, and that was our initial goal was, okay, we can get 50,000. If I would have had known how good of a, that really was for Kickstarter, I might not have been as ambitious, but it ended up working out pretty well. So um, we did know a lot of people. We pretty much called every single friend and family member or person we've ever shaken hands with, um, you know, and it, it was a very valuable lesson as an entrepreneur to not be afraid of that ask, right? Um, asking people to help you. Um, and it was a pretty good deal because we're exchanging some pretty good coffee for it. So it wasn't that difficult, uh, but it was really awesome just to see the way people supported what we were trying to do um, in a big way that we probably knew, I would say at least half of the people personally. Um, but it ranged from a bag of coffee all the way to trips to Honduras. Um, as our business partner owns that lodge, we actually even have those up on the website now that will host you down in Honduras. So uh, we, we had, I think, 10 people support us through that trip. We had a bunch of people do year-long subscriptions. Um, there was a varying of, of different um, levels that you could donate into that it was a it was a really cool, really cool experience and glad it was over when it was. I mean, fulfilling all that was a nightmare, but we got, <laughs> we got through it. We figured it out and uh, it was definitely an exciting time. But you can still take that trip, donate to take that trip on your website now? So it's so. not donation, um, 
But 100%, yeah. yeah. So we actually offer an all-inclusive four-day, three-night trip, everything but airfare. So we'll pick you up at the airport. Okay. includes your kayaking, your bird watching, your coffee farm tour, uh, breakfast and dinners, non-alcoholic drinks. But um, pretty much everything is covered for two people at $6.99. So it's a pretty good deal as well. That, uh, Sounds like a sky and pancake What are we doing this trip. weekend? Yeah. <laughs> we also have a bird we're looking for. Ooh, which one? A Miriam. A Miriam. I don't know that one. Are they in hunter? Are you she, big? No, she's a morning dove. So no, I don't think oh, so. Okay. But we lost her. Oh, I'm sorry. We didn't lose her. So you're not really bird watchers. You just lost your bird. Just well, one bird. we had oh. a morning dove nesting she, at our house. Yeah, and then uh, living she had outside. babies, but then ravens ate them. And it was a and long And we had to story. watch this happen. I watched it happen. That's yeah. some pretty serious bird watching, watching a raven eat your I'd like your to see babies. a quetzal though. Have you, Do they have quetzals? A quetzal, yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah. But I, have you done a podcast about that story yet? Yeah. We talk about early. it a lot. Yeah, it's early. probably a thread that you're goes still, through. Still dealing we're with still that. not over it. Yeah, no, it's understandable. Every morning dove we see, we're like, I've is never that seen Miriam? a raven in Charlotte until that day. <laughs> no, the raven was the size of one of our pugs, oh really. Just anyway. Um, the quetzal, the illustrious quetzal, that's an amazing bird. Super cool. Can you see those? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the lodge is nestled right at the foothills of the Santa Barbara Mountain, which is the second tallest mountain in the country, uh, which is right on Lake Yahoa, which is the largest lake in the country. So it's a really interesting microclimate that it's actually one of the better places throughout all of Central America to go bird watching. It's and I didn't know anything about birds, but now I'm a geek that like I love bird watching. No, we um, love birds. It's yeah, really awesome. It's, it's I mean, phenomenal. they're dinosaurs. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's some birds. There's <laughs> a, it's the bare throated tiger heron. This thing okay. is so crazy. Cause as an adolescent, it's a, it's a heron with a nice long neck, but it actually looks like a tiger. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. You got, I need I, to Google Yeah. This. I got to show you a photo. Well, that's but, a great deal. You're like that trip. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. It's, it's cool. We actually <laughs> yeah. uh, just launched it this year on our Wayne, one, Wayne, one year go on the website. Yeah. My dad yeah, get is, get some details. Um, Listening to the podcast, number one in fan Normally, he's listening from you know Ohio, but I don't think he's listening now. Yeah, <laughs> he's reading a book. But <laughs> Wayne, Wayne's from Ohio. Yeah, well, he's from Kentucky, if, if but I'm he lives from in Cincinnati. Ohio. Where Where do you live in Ohio, Wayne? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, that's, that's where good, I'm from. Where? So where are you from? Uh, Sandusky. Oh, okay. Other side, home of yeah. Cedar Point. Cedar Point. Yeah, way other side. Yep. Ohio's the place, man. <laughs> people are way too mean to Ohio. I know it's not I, right. I don't get it, you know. Especially Everyone's people who people. leave Ohio, you know. Yeah, <laughs> not you me. Know, you know the joke goes. <laughs> why are what is it with the how many eight astronauts I think are from Ohio or the most astronauts are from Ohio? Oh yeah. What is it about that place that <laughs> makes everybody want to leave Earth? <laughs> That's I've bull. Never heard that, yeah, it's, it's, it's bull crap. <laughs> it's, I don't like it. Yeah, it's yeah. I actually have quite a bit of a, a heated rivalry with uh, my business partner Bobby because he's from Virginia, which. He thinks is God's gift to this earth. Virginia's the worst. Yeah, that's what I tell him all the time. <laughs> Come Never on, Ohio is way better than Virginia. Not even a question. Yeah, I think, I think so. <laughs> I guess they have a lot I know, of presidents, I'm not breaking but we this have a lot tie. of astronauts. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I wanted to ask you about. So Peru has an unusual amount of climates, mm-hmm. and of course the elevation. Yep. So how does the flavor of the coffee change? Ooh. Like maybe as you go up or in the different regions? Yeah, certainly. So. There are so many factors that go into changing how coffee can taste. And number one, I, I think the easiest uh, thing to look at is elevation. Uh, if with coffee from a basic general rule of thumb, the higher the elevation, the, the more dense the bean. Uh, and the reason this is, is because, you know, essentially the more nutrients and the more focus this plant needs to survive, they're putting more energy into the seed. So coffee is a fruit. It's a cherry that has two seeds in it, which eventually end up being roasted, ground, and poured over hot water, which we know as coffee, but it actually looks just like a cherry. So the higher it goes up, the better the density, depending on the variety, the larger the bean. These are the general things people look for in regards to a high quality coffee. And the best part about the coffee I gave you is it's the thing that challenges that rule. Uh, so Daniel, as I said a little bit before, uh, very educated uh, for a rural coffee farmer, although he only has a third grade education. Uh, he's been a few places. I think he wanted to go to Costa Rica. I think he's been to Colombia, um, but you know has been able to work through his cooperative to get some really unique opportunities. But his 
specific coffee I call a Peruvian coffee from Costa Rica. It's a variety called Via Sarchi, which is not really a normal variety, uh, but it comes from the western slopes of Costa Rica. And the specific reason he uses that fa- that at his farm is because his farm is at a bit lower ele- lower elevation, as well as it's really, really great for organic practices too. So I wouldn't use his for an espresso because you definitely want a denser bean for an espresso. Um, but it's really kind of cool to see that that belief that the higher the elevation, the better the coffee, because his is a bit of a lower elevation and it, it's pretty phenomenal uh, not being a high elevation. So it really just depends, you know, how carefully you pick the cherries when they're ripened. Um, you're going to go basically from green to red to black once it's rotted, that you have to pick it at just the right time. Um, and the old, you know, what they say about coffee essentially is the second you pick it, it can only get worse from there. So within about four to eight hours, they want to get it to a washing station. I'm going to keep this as simple as possible because mm-hmm. it can get really weird in the different ways you can process coffee. But most coffee is wash process. So they'll pick all of it. They'll put it in a big canister, about 100 pounds of coffee or so. These little guys that weigh 100 pounds themselves in this treacherous you know, mountainsides picking all this coffee. They'll get it to the washing t- station where it will sit and literally it just looks like a bathtub for anywhere from 4 to 16 hours. And what that's doing is allowing a slight fermentation to occur. And that's going to just soften it up a little bit more that they can put it through the depulping machine, which is either a crank uh, you can do by hand or sometimes it will be motorized that will then remove the cherry and all of the coffee falls into a second bath. And it's very slimy and kind of gross looking, honestly, Uh, but it's what's called the mucilage of the coffee. And this is the sugars. So it will then again sit in that second bath for another anywhere from four to 16 hours. And then you'll wash it two or three times, lay it out to rake on a big cement patio. Sometimes you'll have a raised drying bed. Um, Typical time to raise it or to dry it would be for about two weeks time. Um, And you need to basically rake it every hour more or less to ensure that the moisture content of the bean is evenly drying to not get any mold um, and certain things like that. So every single variable I just mentioned can be changed. You can add fermentation through yeast. You can do all kinds of different variables to manipulate it in that process to get some really wild flavors um, that the variety of the plant, the, the soil, the altitude, the, the climate of the plant, as well as the processing of the plant. And that's all before it even gets to, you know, the ship to be, leave the country of origin and get shipped to the country of consumption. That's intense. I wonder who figured that out the first time. (laughs) So that's a good, there's a, there's a folklore story about that. You never heard about the goat herder and coffee? No. Do you guys know, do you know where coffee originates from? Africa. Exactly. Ethiopia is the birthplace of coffee. And that's something that's really cool that, um, there's really not a lot of variety in, in the world with coffee varieties. Um, it's a bit of a problem with different pests and disease, but in Africa and Ethiopia specifically, there's over a thousand varieties still growing wild. So you get really, really strange, exotic, and often intense flavors out of Ethiopia because it's just a different bean. Uh, but the story dates back to about 800, 850, um, when Kaldi, the goat herder fell asleep one day under his tree and once he woke from his nap, all of his goats were gone. Um, so he's pretty frantic. He's afraid his father is going to kill him if he doesn't come home. So he starts to search up and down through the Ethiopian forest looking for these goats. So after a few hours pass, he comes to this part of the forest that he's never been before. And he finds his goats reaching up onto these trees and picking off these red cherries and just dancing happily and <laughs> energetically throughout the forest in a way he had not seen that he decides to throw one in his mouth himself. And, you know, he feels overcome with that joy and excitement and energy from the caffeine hit. And he quickly, you know, picks a few of them and takes it down to the local monastery or church and gives it to the the priest or whomever it was. And, you know, he puts it in his mouth and he spits it out immediately from that bitterness of it. And it rolls into the fire and all of a sudden the aroma lifts and fills the monastery and Caldi quickly sweeps it out and grinds it up and puts a little water on it. And that's how coffee was made. Oh my gosh. That's me every morning. I'm like right. a dancing goat. Yeah. You're just frolicking through. Frolicking. But, uh, there was a, and there's also, some a, will call it there's that. a coffee shop 
in Cincinnati called Caldies. Yep, and that's Mind why. blown. <laughs> there it is right there. <laughs> like, so. No idea. That okay. is, as far as I know, that's a collection of the stories of Caldy that I've put together to make as much sense as possible. Um, but it, it does definitely date back from Ethiopia, you know, not that long ago. The first cafe was actually in Constantinople around 1550 um, AD, I believe. So it's only been three, 400 years that we even started drinking coffee. Uh, it was first actually used by the Maasai warrior tribe. How cool does that sound? Um, as almost like a energy bar with animal fat and the actual cherry that they would use that caffeine and the sustained energy to run long distances or to fight longer battles and things like that, that it's almost the, the take on bulletproof coffee today, yes, that same absolutely. theory that yeah. that was one of the first uses as coffee as an actual, you know, plant. That's crazy. You should make a coffee energy bar. It would be cool. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't know. I guess bulletproof. They have they probably have, they have energy bars. Don't they're, they? they're doing their thing. Yeah, they're doing they're every, doing, they're doing all of it. <laughs> so where in Charlotte can we get your coffee? Oh, great question. Um, you can order it online. You can get it online. We but. got a great subscription service um, that fourteen ninety nine will ship it straight to your door. You pick the farmer, you pick the roast, the grind size, how often you want it to come. So we're trying to make it as affordable as possible to get um, you know a great service and a great product as well. Uh, but some really, really awesome places around town that we're really proud and happy to be partnering with. Uh, one of them is Legion Brewing, actually. Mm. We have a Coffee Bach beer coming out next Saturday. Ooh. They oh, also wow. serve our coffee on Nitro, and you can get hot coffee on tap in the new South Park location as well. That's um, awesome. That's one of our, we don't, like, we're not big brewery people, but mm-hmm. we love Legion because they've got great food, and they have really exciting beers. Yeah, they do a great job with the beer over there. Those guys take it really, really seriously. Scott Griffin's one of the head brewers over there, and I'm always impressed by him. Daniel, all the guys over there have just incredible knowledge and commitment to what they're doing that I don't know enough about the other breweries like I do Legion, but it blows me away every time, and it reflects in the way the beer tastes. You know, it's hard to find a beer that, you know, you might not like a certain style, but you can taste that it's done correctly almost every single time, um, which I really, really respect those guys over there. Um, so this weekend, so by the time this podcast airs, your your collaboration will be at least Saturday, before... De- Saturday, January 12th is the release okay. date. Next Saturday. Okay, next, next Saturday. Saturday. Okay, yep. so and that's for how long, just until it runs out? Yeah, it, the last time we did this, we did a coffee Blondale with Rose's Coffee. Mm-hmm. It was a blonde named Rosa was the name of the beer, which was pretty cool. Um, and we're name. using Emiliano's this time. It's a coffee Bach. Uh, and I believe it's going to be Emiliano's Andean Bach, um, which should be pretty fun. But um, yeah, hopefully six weeks or so is about awesome. what the other one lasted. So hopefully it'll be around for a little while in the tap room to check out. A um, couple other places. Um, Heirloom Restaurant is one oh, that yeah. uh, we started working with recently that we're really excited about. They're, they love local over there. Yeah, and they're really <laughs> they're really being creative, and uh, they don't have tequila because no. they don't have that in North Carolina. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I made a well, they don't have coffee. He bought. Yeah, right. And they were serving coffee. Yeah, but I guess because yeah. you roast, yeah. so that's a, that's allowed. Makes sense, but yeah. I'd be like, well, I was going to drink the tequila in North Carolina. All right, that, does that count? Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> loophole. Okay. loophole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they're doing some really awesome stuff over there. Another one, uh, fern flavors from the garden. Mm, yeah, yes, um, love fern. I don't know if they're still featuring it, but they had a peppermint mocha they were doing with oh, honest yeah. coffee that was phenomenal. Mm. Um, on wine, tea, and coffee in Pineville, uh, barista craft in Highland Creek. Uh, you can find it at Rhino Market, uh, the Pasta and Provisions, uh, the Common Markets. Uh, let's think. Uh, one of my favorites is Mecklenburg County Market. Have you guys been there before? No. Beverly's Gourmet Foods. Oh, yeah. Yep. So Beverly's, Beverly's, Yeah. her parents are just the sweetest. They've been in that building right off of Harding and Moorhead for literally, I think, 100 years or so. I think it was her parents' 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 parents. I don't know. Somebody. But they it's essentially a year-round indoor farmer's market. Uh, affordable, local. Um, they have all of Beverly's awesome, awesome prepared foods um, and different stuff as well from, you know, pasteurized meats. I believe they have bone broth from Pure Old World, which is a really cool oh, company. Yeah, I love um, bone broth. They so do they, some awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's right by the hospital, right? Right Off over there. Moorhead, exactly, yeah. exactly. So that's a really, really good place to check out. Where else? I didn't know they'd been in that building for so long. It's, it's kind of funny how all that time. stuff came up around them. Exactly. So yeah. um, I believe there's about 15 spots total throughout Charlotte. Um, 
which we're really happy about, about 25 in the state. And uh, we've gotten are either with an office or, you know, a cafe or a farm store. Or, uh, we're selling in 20 states now. Um, and we just That's got so cool. California a couple weeks ago. And we actually, just before the year ended, um, we are going to be available in six fresh time markets in the St. Louis area, which is a little random, but we're super excited to get a national chain in our first year of business and to see how that goes. So, you guys are growing like crazy. Congratulations. Trying. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's an uphill battle, but, uh, you know, I think that goes back to just people seeing the difference in, you know, that's this connection of what we're trying to create and the difference of that person looking you right in the eyes of, hey, this oh, is yeah. my coffee. You better enjoy it, you know? Wait, so where's your uh, coffee partner? Is he in Charlotte? or? So we actually uh, have grown to three people now as well. So okay. Zach is our other team member that's here in Charlotte now. He moved from the great state of Ohio as well. And, Shout uh, out. Yeah, there we go, <laughs> OH. And uh, uh, Bobby actually lives down in Honduras full-time, uh, okay. where he's working on running the brewery as well as full-time coffee. So he's a busy guy. He's working his butt off, and, uh, you know, we're going to get him down to Peru after the Honduras trip where I have to stay here, but those guys deserve it. So I'll, I'll keep, you'll let them have it. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll deal with it. But, uh, actually a really cool story, uh, regarding, uh, some new travel we have coming up that I'm wildly excited about when we were living in Peru, I'd always joke around with Bobby that I want to go to Sumatra and I don't even know if I really, you know, I'm not really a dark coffee drinker and Sumatran coffee is very much known for their earthy, bold, spicy, dark, you know, natural flavors. But have you ever Googled Sumatra? No. Yeah. You got to do it. What's doodle? Google. (laughs) Oh. Doodled. Have you ever doodled Sumatra? (laughs) Sorry, I I talk too much. I need a little water. But um, it's just absolutely amazing. It's just beautiful oceans meets huge high mountains and there's elephants and tigers and it just looked really... Oh my gosh. It looked really, really insane and... I always said I wanted to go there. And, um, you know, Bobby said, all right, let's put out a goal for our first year. And if we hit that goal, uh, we'll go to Sumatra. And I was like, okay, that sounds good. I didn't really believe him, you know, (laughs) whatever. You're not telling the truth. And uh, so we were about a hundred bucks from that goal in about the middle of November. So everything was going well. Uh, We were about to hit it that day. And he calls me at about 6 a.m. And he's riding me, telling me, hey, you need to show some urgency. We need to hit this like right now. Like, you know, don't you want to be a good entrepreneur? And I'm just like, can you relax, man? I'm still sleeping here. (laughs) And, uh, need some coffee first. Right. It's like, (laughs) give me a second to wake up. You know, we're going to get there. Just cool down. And, um, so we got there that day in a few hours and we got the order and he immediately forwards my itinerary that he had already booked the trip three weeks prior without ever checking my calendar for the dates or anything <laughs> like that. Luckily, there was no problem at all. So uh, we'll be heading there in April for three weeks, kind of just an exploratory trip. Our importer just started working with a cooperative there last year. Wow. So we're hopeful to meet a couple farmers and bring some coffee back from there, as well as uh, starting in Singapore and then hitting Sumatra, definitely experience the food and the culture and everything like that too. So uh, long-term-wise, five countries... 500 farmers is what we're setting out to accomplish. That's, That's amazing. Awesome. So, so go back to how does the, how does the coffee get here? So you talked about how you picked it from the tree. It's clean. Mm-hmm. So how does it, what are the supply chain steps for it to get to the back? Sure. So it's picked, it's washed, it's dried. It's then bagged up and it's going to be sent off to another processing plant where there's another layer of the coffee where both seeds are still together called the parchment or pergamino in Spanish, that it looks like a pistachio shell. So it then needs to go through uh, another machine typically that will basically pop that open and get the seeds and separate it out. And from here is when it really gets crazy for specialty coffee, high quality coffee like um, ours and a lot of the other really great shops around Charlotte, it needs to be sorted out kind of for grading to remove the defunct beans. And that can be done in a couple ways. There's a, a machine called a golden eye. If you're lucky enough to have the resources such as electricity, a warehouse, thousands of dollars, um, you know, it can do that electronically, but more often than not, it actually will be done by hand 
Um, and it's really just crazy to see there'll be just rows and rows and rows of typically women that are just going one by one and just sorting it out and removing every single defunct bean and letting other ones pass. And they do it two times through. And then you're going to end up with a great specialty quality grade coffee. And then it's finally ready to be bagged, sent to the port, shipped off to a large warehouse, and then either to a distributor or straight to a roaster where then will be roasted and sent out to a grocery store, cafe, your house, wherever, wherever it ends up last. So um, it's amazing to see how many hands go through it when you even control the entire supply chain yourself. But it can also get a lot more complicated than that when you're talking about the larger conglomerate corporations of how this trades on the stock exchange and all sorts of wild stuff that's kind of boring. So what's the time frame? So like that bag, mm -hmm. when was... When was it picked from the tree? Yeah, so Peru, we actually just received that coffee um, about November 28th, more or less, um, this year. And the Peru season ends in about June, um, May or June. So that will essentially, I'm sorry, that's not right. Honduras runs about December till May. Peru goes about October to March. So that would have been done from the harvest, and then it's going to take about two to three months, possibly anywhere from two to six months, I, I think is a appropriate window. Um, it's never the same. You know, last year, um, we actually had our shipment delayed because of Waikos in Peru, which is actually a natural disaster. Um, that's essentially like a landslide that's been... Um, it's specific mostly to Peru and the way the Andes Mountains are. And a lot of that deforestation allows for the rain to not soak into the soil and it picks up and it, it just devastated Peru. And we were there um, in February of 2017, which backed up the port by about a month and a half, which we didn't receive the coffee till early November that year. But we put in the order in like May, whereas this year we put in the order a little bit later. So it showed later. So that comes back to the elevation. The lower the elevation, the earlier it will ripen. And the higher the elevation, the later in the season it will go. So, you know, anywhere from three to six months it will get to you by the time it's picked. Um, but it remains fresh as green on roasted coffee for at least a year, um, if not a little bit longer. It will maintain that quality. And once it's roasted, you know, you hear a lot about this. I typically like to say a month. Um, you know, it's you know, some people are just way too strict on it. Um, you know, you don't want it to be more than two to three months, but you know, most people are used to drinking old stale coffee as it is. Uh, the biggest difference is grinding it fresh because they say after you grind the coffee, it's no longer fresh after 15 minutes. And oh, that's wow. due to the release of carbon dioxide that once you break down the particles to a very small surface area, those gases escape and it stales rather quickly. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> gotta gotta work fast. Um, who does your your logo and your branding? Are you guys doing that yourselves? We, you guys have a great logo. Yeah, thank you very much. That's actually a cool story. Um we have you ever heard of 99 Designs? Yes. Yeah. It's basically yeah. a crowdsourcing competition where you can put a contest out there that um we actually had a name change that we used to be called Levanta Coffee, and I actually wore my old school shirt. This is one of the few oh, he's remaining taking off in the his wild. shirt right now. This oh, is really okay. Exciting. So we got old logo on yeah. the bottom, new logo on What's the top. What's under that shirt? Yeah. <laughs> we had You're a... making Jason way too excited right now. <laughs> so we only had a few of them. We ordered them, you know, before we had anything for real. That uh, Levanta is a Spanish word meaning lift up and wake up. So you lift up the people behind it and you wake up with the coffee in the morning. So kind of that play on words of the social mission behind it, as well as obviously you wake up with coffee that that's where the sunrise came from. And, you know, we just used that website, which we were super happy that it came out the way it did. Um, and it ended up being a little bit of a trademark issue with another company uh, in another place that I won't mention their name, but it was oh, close to Levanta. It's okay. They were nice. <laughs> it's funny. He called me, but it ended up being fine. But, um, but he was like, you can't use it. So. <laughs> well, we decided to change beforehand okay. um, because it was very close. It was just a letter difference. And we just said it wasn't worth it. And we were just so distraught and upset and like, wow, we had the perfect name. What are we going to do now? And Alliteration. 
Right. So we, you're going to do. We ran the Kickstarter campaign as Levante Coffee because we got word. Essentially, we did a trademark and it takes like three to four months to get that back. And the answer came back likelihood of confusion. And we were basically told we could try to fight it, but we'll definitely lose. So don't waste your time. So we're now like, okay, well, this is in a week. We need We've to trademark Australian pancake. You do. Because I, I didn't scary. even know what that was. I was looking no. it up. and I, yeah, it's, it's, it's very real, popular in China. I, did you know it was a real thing? I figured yeah. you did. did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people ask us all the time. They're like, we just saw this on a menu. Did you know? Or like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah intentional. Um, well, yeah, we should. I guess I didn't really think about trademarking We'll it. get our lawyers working on it. Yeah. We have multiple We have a lawyers. lot of... Jewish We're Jewish, so friends. we just have people behind the scenes <laughs> yeah, working for, for us. For free. Shout out to Olivia. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it, we decided essentially with a week before the Kickstarter, it's like, oh my gosh, this is the worst. So we just said, let's just roll with it because if we don't succeed in the Kickstarter, it's an all or nothing thing that if we don't do this, we're probably just going to give up. So let's just see what happens. Uh, so we did and it went really, really well. And we had some time. Luckily we hadn't bought more than like 10 of these shirts. So it was how much a, are they worth now? Each shirt, like $2,000. $2, yeah. That's <laughs> probably what I'd sell it for. Um, but, um, look for one on eBay later, everyone. So we were just going back and forth and trying to come up with a name and, you know, finally farmers first is what we settled on. And I was just like, great. I'm sick of fighting over it. Everything else is terrible. This is fine. <laughs> Let's just go with it. I, I was just like, it was like the deadline. The time was up. We needed to figure it out now. And it was just a huge blessing in disguise because it's just so more, much more direct of what yes. we're trying to do and much more fitting of the brand of a valuable lesson of, you know, know who your audience is, right? It made a lot of sense to all the Spanish speaking people we talked to, which probably gave her, gave us an overconfidence in the name but we wasted so much time back here saying, well, what does Levanta mean? You know, you explain <laughs> it. Yeah. Right. So it, it was really, really great. We actually rebranded on national coffee day, which was September 29th. Uh, we had an awesome feature in daily coffee news, which is a bigger periodical in coffee. And uh, then basically got to work on all the packaging. We're able to keep the logo, um, keep that hidden meeting behind it. And, still fit exactly what we were trying to do in even a more direct way. So that's really cool. Then, yeah. It's uh, a great name. Actually, ironic enough, uh, the, the guy who helped with the illustrations of the actual farmers in the front and back package design is my guy from Indonesia. So I might oh. be able to go meet him in a month or a couple months. That's so exciting. His name is hero. I told you I didn't want any <laughs> coffee cause it would be too late and I'd be up all night, but now I'm so regretting it. All I want is a cup of your coffee. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Man. Maybe maybe Jason here will start drinking coffee. I know, I wish. It's it's hard when we travel All because right. See, the I'm first like, thing when I wake up in the morning, you know, we'll be in Peru or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, coffee. And he's like, Well, wait, wait a couple hours. We'll get some coffee. And he doesn't get as it. As a non coffee drinker, he doesn't, he doesn't understand it. you can't wait uh, a couple yeah. of hours. No. <laughs> what I just it's learned works, on this Jason. last trip we went to was don't talk to her until she has coffee. And mm -hmm. I just, I don't understand that, but now I do. Yeah. We mm -hmm. don't have serious conversations. Of course. I mean, this is natural to anyone who drinks coffee, but to Jason, yeah. he had to So learn. I just get up and go and. Yeah. He hits me on. with the hard truths before I've had my coffee and he's, <laughs> yeah. he learned. It's really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> really stupid. <laughs> so if you're going to get a cup of coffee somewhere in the, you know, in Charlotte, where are you going to go? I mean, obviously you're going to have a cup of your own at home if you sure. can or go to one of your places, sure. but do you have another like name, runner up? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of really great ones coming. Um, a lot of great people in the industry here that are working hard to, um, you know, do their own thing. Um, I'm going to come up with three. How okay. That That's awesome. Uh, Queen City Grounds. Yes. I just went there. We live like a block from there and I just went the other Don't day. Don't tell the people where we live. <clears throat> Sorry. Come rob us. <laughs> Yeah, they, it's a great place. They, I mean, the aesthetics of the place are awesome. Scott Partridge, we're a big fan of his artwork, and he did the mural. Oh, is, is he the one with that big, yeah. big owl? It's yeah, super he loves cool. owl, like and animals stuff, and so we're really into that. Yeah, they do a phenomenal job. Um, Nightflyer Roasters is actually yes. nestled inside of the shop, so you can sometimes catch them roasting the coffee right in the shop. Um, 
and he's a bit of a celebrity as well. Paul something was in... Like a musician? Some band that's yeah, we, famous. Yeah, we just learned that. I, I, know that. I don't know the band, but I, I know him a little bit. I've met him once or twice, and he's a really nice guy, and uh, he makes really good coffee. Um, but their whole staff over there, their food menu, it's all great, and it's yeah. a really good place to work. There's an upstairs and a downstairs. That's one of my favorites. Um, the new one in Plaza Midwood is Undercurrent Coffee. Oh. Uh, Diana, Diana, she's yeah. the queen of Charlotte coffee and she does the poor coffee festival. Um, there's this Charlotte coffee collective and Facebook. That's kind of a forum for everybody to talk about whatever they need. And, um, she's very, very dedicated to what she does. And it's really cool to see, um, that shop come to be, and they just do a really great job all together. The food there is incredible. Uh, it's always busy, which is great for them. Uh, really happy to see the success they're having. And they use Onyx Coffee, which is out of Arkansas. Um, mm, I which, didn't know that. Which they do a lot of good stuff. And they feature roasters uh, both locally and nationally from time to time, too. Um, and then the last one, I would go with the new Enderly Coffee. So Tony's been around for a while. Um, he, Tony Santoro, he is the owner of Enderly Coffee, which started as mainly wholesale. Um, they work with a lot of great restaurants and cafes around town. And he has recently, I'm going to butcher saying this, but opened a coffee shop on Takasiji right around yeah. the corner from here. It's very good for it, someone from Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And, um, <laughs> you know, his, his whole mission is uplifting that, that Enderly neighborhood and, it's, it's kind of an uncommon placement. Um, you know, right next door is almost like a quickie mart type place. And uh, um, it's not a Plaza Midwood. It's not an uptown. Uh, but it gives it a unique character. And it's a really nice shop that they just do an overall good job and uh, a very inclusive vibe that, uh, you know, they're really building a great community over there and uh, doing some really cool stuff with the work he's doing too. So And they have tables and you can... Yeah, it's not there. huge, but it's it's definitely got space. To, it's got a nice little bar up top and there's probably 10, 10 tables or so. So there's definitely room to work and uh, it's a nice calm atmosphere. And, you know, sometimes I'll have his little girls running around, which is kind of fun. And, uh, you know, I, I really dig everything he's doing. So those would... Those would be my top three. Fantastic. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, you look like you want to say something. You have that look in your eye. No. Jason, what's your I, favorite drink? Uh, my favorite drink? Um, Mountain like Dew. Seal urine. Seal urine. <laughs> you know, it, it's good. It's underrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's under- I know. People don't talk about it enough. It's got a lot of health benefits. Yeah. yeah. Surprised you didn't say pug uh, urine. No, no, no. Never, never drink a, a pug urine. How many pugs yeah. do you guys have? Uh, at the moment? <laughs> no, we only have two. Yeah. Two's Actually, one names. and a half because one's a puzzle. I, sh- I should know this. What's your What's their names? Ollie and Frankie. Yeah. Those are, those are good names. They're just, yeah. you know, the loves of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> they don't drink coffee. They could, though. It would actually kill them. So Would it? Yeah. It's just like chocolate. Well, it's it might like, not yeah, kill right. them. No, I don't know the if caffeine. it would kill them. It's You're not right. the caffeine. No, it's not. It's the theobromine. Theobromine. Theobromine right. is the ingredient in chocolate that has similar properties and effects of chocolate. <laughs> But it's actually the ingredient in chocolate that is said to be stronger with the endorphins than kissing or something or another. It does speed them up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Chemical something. I don't know. Something happens that theobromine is actually what dogs are allergic to. And I don't know if there's enough in coffee, but I know it is definitely in coffee in, in some capacity that I wouldn't get it. Wayne and I had a schnauzer who ate a bag of chocolate chips once. She lived. But barely. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of theobromine well, let's do, in that one. <laughs> let's do the best thing we ate this week. And we're going to invite Wayne needs to come and participate. I don't. I, Wayne, are you ready for this? He's saying no. No, you have to join the pod. Come on, Wayne. Get in the pod, Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> yes, gonna, he's coming. He didn't take too much convincing. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, I can't. All right. Now, he has a really deep Southern accent, so if you can't <laughs> understand Wait, been, him, I'll translate. You've been talked I about. One coffee Hold on, you have to. Oh, you didn't give him the. Oh, whole, so coming in hot. He thinks that we haven't done a good job. Coming here in with hot that. with a coffee he, he question. To, He's like, well, there's some holes in this interview <laughs> that I need. To, okay, now you got to speak right into the mic. Yeah, talk into the mic. Real close, closer. Ask your coffee question. Okay, uh, when you first process the coffee, yes, closer. cherry. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you do with the, uh, the skin and the, ah, great question. Cascara Gosh. is what that's called. Oh, So yeah. it's best used to be put right back into the soil. So it's going to allow, um, 
you know, vitamins and minerals to come right back to the land, um, re-nitrogenize that soil that the crop will be full and ready to produce again next year. Uh, but what sometimes will be done is it actually will be dried as a fruit and shipped here where you can buy cascara tea. Uh, that's almost cranberry-like, you know, red fruit. Um, it's really good, really light, uh, light-bodied and sweet um, that... You can find some cascara sodas. Slingshot. Some, Slingshot's doing it. Yeah, it's um, really good. Yeah, it's solid stuff, and it's really um, interesting. It's it's definitely another way to do it. I had that, Jason uh, taste it, and he he didn't like. He it. Said, what did I no. taste that? Yeah, I had brought it home. They had sold at Target, actually. Not a sponsor. Could be. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he was. He didn't dig it, but I loved it. It's, yeah. it's very. Yeah. He seems difficult. He is. What does <laughs> he drink? He doesn't even drink water. I like iced tea. Unsweetened or sweetened? Unsweetened. Well, yeah, I like sweet tea, that. but unsweetened. You know, I'm trying to For watch my figure. <laughs> I like I like a good Mexican coat, like oh, once in a while. The real yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah the oh, real yeah. stuff. And I like. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. He seems difficult. I love it. That's the best quote. <laughs> that's the best thing I ate this week. Matt's quote about Jason. All right, so Matt, tell us what's the best thing you ate or drank this week. New Year's Day meal over at the girlfriend's. Her mother cooked. Girlfriend, shout out. Shout out. Hi, What's Emily. her name? Emily. Emily. Hi, Emily. <laughs> she, <laughs> she made, her mother made a meal with cabbage and sauerkraut and pork and this sausage. That was like the best thing I ever had and homemade applesauce. And the whole thing was like just the best New Year's Day meal I had in a really long time. My mother cooked once. No, I'm just kidding. She didn't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I also was in We're the... We're going over to Emily's mom's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys can come. Everybody get in the car. I don't know what what holiday's coming, but I'll just yeah. make her cook. Groundhog's Day. Perfect. My Is she from Charlotte? She's from Ohio. Uh, oh. Yeah. All the best girls are. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Is it's she weird. from Sandusky? No. Oh. No, I met her in Charlotte. Okay. But just a coincidence. I also had a perch sandwich in Ohio last week. Ooh. Ooh. Lake Erie yellow perch. Fried? Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Extra fried. Mm. Two tartar sauces. Oh, you got to have oh. extra sauce. Yeah. We had to go up there. Those are my two choices. That's really good. What about you, Jason? The best thing I ate this week? Well, we went to Butson Hall mm. for yeah, uh, New Year's. And uh, I'm going to go with the chocolate mint silk pie. Can I just Very come good. out to eat with you guys and just watch you guys talk about it? You yeah, just you watch gotta us be eat. prepared yeah. to gain about twenty pounds in a week. Yeah, you look pretty skinny for yeah. us. No, nah, I've you been. Train. I've been. <laughs> yeah, it's skinny fat right now after these holidays. <laughs> I'm like trying to fast. I'm like I'm not eating this week. Is is the goal after after New Year's Day meal? <laughs> That's Butson Hall. So it's a barbecue place in Asheville that got voted top ten new restaurants two three years ago. It's three years not ago by top ten eaters, in the yeah. world in the country. It's not that, but it's pretty good. Oh, but by Bon Appetit, uh, sorry. Not yeah, by Bon Appetit. Yeah. So we've gone there the last couple of years, New Year. We just it's our tradition, and so nice. we do it in this really crazy way. Where like, so because the first time I was like, well, can we go walk around Asheville? Can we just? I mean, we came all this way. It's almost two no, hours. Like, no. let's spend the day. And he was like, no, there's a game on. I want to get yeah, right Panthers back in the car. Playing. And so now that's what we do. We just it's almost two hours up lunch, right back in the car, and we called his grandma on the way home, and we were like, we just went to Asheville for lunch. Yeah, she was like, you should go see my cousins. We're yeah, like, she's no, only Grandma. 50 miles east of there. <laughs> <laughs> straight home, straight home. So, yeah, it is really good there. All right, Wayne, what's the best thing you ate this week? Um, probably was Sunday before I came down to see you guys. Wow, ouch. Or over. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'm a vegetable cat person, so. Always had, have been. What? I had two Bloody Marys at the <laughs> at my golf club. That was, that was my lunch. Wow. That's healthy that stuff the right there. Yeah. Now, do Tito's you like your or? Bloody Mary spicy? Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, now, what's, what's, your, what's your nickname at the golf club? Wednesday Wayne. No, Fireball no. Wayne. Oh, Fireball Wayne, too. Yeah. Fireball yeah. Wayne. I thought Spicy Wayne would have been good, too. <laughs> uh, yeah. We used to, my friend, um, Margie, growing up, we used to call you Wayne the vehicle because instead of, he'd always say, okay, guys, get in the vehicle instead of saying the car and you'd just be <laughs> really specific with that strong Southern accent, the vehicle. Vehicle covers all of them. You don't have it to worry does. about what you Yeah, you don't have to say a Could truck, have been a tractor. convertible. Yeah. yeah. A lot of things. <laughs> all right. Uh, what's the best thing you had this week? Mm. My lovely wife. Well, can I do two? I mean, 
Matt, oh. Matt, Matt, Matt kind of did. We have too. rules on this pod. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do two. I'm gonna uh, sorry, uh, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have to give a shout out to the Buxton Hall fruitcake. Oh my god! I know Jason's sick of hearing about this. Nobody likes fruitcake. It's a much hated dessert. Um, Matt, you know, what are your thoughts on fruitcake? <sighs> Would you rather kill yourself? <laughs> drink some seal urine? Yeah. Yeah, me yeah. too. It goes great with seal urine, though. <laughs> yeah. um, that's how I coffee. had it this morning. Yeah, well, so Wayne likes fruitcake. Yeah. Um, but they, they make theirs. They try to do this thing where they say, like, you know, you, you know, we know fruitcake is the worst, but we've made it really good. And they age it for, um, like, over a month by just pouring um, bourbon and sherry and cognac all over it every day. <laughs> and so... That sounds awesome. It's I don't know. It's I just, eat that it's special. Cake. It's like yeah. really, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> sounds like a waste of brandy. <laughs> yeah. Bourbon. No, and it's got all these dried fruits <laughs> in it, and it's very dense, and I love it. Um, but I'm also going to give a mention to the seasonal pizza at Anisio. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, we oh. love their seasonal pizzas. In fact, Wayne loved their summer pizza so much, the fig and uh, ricotta and lemon. And lemon. Um, but the winter one's really good too. It's kale and sausage and a vegetable soup base instead of like a red sauce. And it's very, it's very wintry and cozy. And I really, I just, I love Anisio. So it go good with some uh, farmer's first coffee. Oh my gosh. Uh, the, you know what? The fruit cake though. Yeah. That's what, that's what you Wayne mean. and I will have that tomorrow. The fruit hey, cake and the question, farmer's first. Coffee for Matt. Okay. Oh God. Do, do you got, <laughs> do we have time? <laughs> <laughs> do you guys, uh, do you plan on coming up with some pods? Oh no! You know we're 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 <laughs> heading to Honduras next week to have some heated debate of you know our plans in the future. That stay tuned. Okay. People Ooh, love coffee tuned. pods. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know it's probably a bastardization. There's this whole dile- but- You know, I, I'm I'm not 100 percent convinced either way because you know everyone keeps saying oh, it's so bad and for the environment, but yeah. for whatever reason everybody keeps doing it and. You know, it comes to makes me think of the plastic straw debate, which is just going to get me heated, which is so kind of silly. Which side are you on? Uh, It's okay. So (laughs) less than 1% of all the waste in the world, in our oceans, everything like that is coming from the United States. And less than 1% of that 1% even comes from a plastic straw. Amen. I'm team straw. Everyone here knows. Yeah. Except for Matt, who now knows. I love a straw. Yeah. I actually hate straws. (laughs) Here's the funny thing. I don't even like using them, but it's just not. It's not your hill to die on. It's not the problem. Yeah. Right. We get, the real you. problem is creating, and I have a background in public health, so this is why I'm all excited right now. But the real problem is trying to create, you know, development for waste systems in third world countries like Honduras. That's the real problem. It's not our straws that we're throwing away here in Charlotte. That's just a almost a pompous response to something that's never going to help the real issue at hand. But because we be- all saw one turtle video. Months. Right. Well, speaking of the turtle, should I be cutting the six packs on? What do you not? I'm not here to judge. Don't do that either. I don't, wow. I don't know. I don't. What I about don't the know. turtles, Matt? <laughs> well, he's doing the Mexican Coke. They don't come in the six. That's packs, true. So. That's true. Glass bottles. Good. You know how I open it? With your turtle teeth. shell. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Take a live turtle right on the shelf. <laughs> the turtles love that. I'm joking, Peta. That's right, a joke. You're getting awfully excited over there with your ukulele. So, Matt, tell us where we can find you on the World Wide Web. Ooh. Uh, farmersfirstcoffee.com. I'll give you guys a special deal today. Oh, oh my gosh. Offer. We oh. have a Offer subscription alert. service. It's absolutely awesome. You get to pick the farmer. You see their cool picture. You can read all about them and get to learn who they are as people and then enjoy their delicious coffee. Use the code scallionpancake. Uh, what? And we'll send <gasps> what? you, we'll send you the first bag for free. First bag for free. That's a deal. Oh, With wow. offer code Scallion Pancake. Yeah, and if you die right after that com. bad, you don't have to pay anymore. Yeah. Works out. Well, yeah. Well, if you <laughs> die, your credit card will be in. We'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Best matter. case. Go ahead we'll and just die. keep coming. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, we'd love for you to try it. Um, you can also follow us at Farmers First Coffee on Instagram or Farmers First Coffee Co. on Facebook. We try to share as much as possible about the stories of the farmers, uh, the impact it's been able to make. Um, I'll share one quick, quick story about that. Uh, we're going back actually to pay the bonuses out to all of our Peruvian farmers here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we do that in person. It also gives us opportunity to, you know, see what they're up to, see how they're investing. And last year when we did it for the first time, Rosa was able to buy 2000 new plants. She built a bathroom for her home and her three sons, as well as a solar dryer to make her great coffee even better. 
And we found a Google mention a couple of weeks ago, as you mentioned, the transparency reports at the beginning, we bought 3,000 of 5,000 pounds in the first year. And there was this whole article about how some of her coffee made it to Germany and actually won a gold medal for her coffee. Oh my goodness. Um, and it credited us. It used all our photos and everything. So it was really cool just to see that connection actually work in a way beyond the immediate answer of what is this money doing for you, but also what is this story doing for you? The good news is we almost bought all of her coffee this year. So that German company, I don't know where they went, but good riddance. Um, <laughs> Screw them. Yeah. Germans. we, we wrote, Germans. You know, so uh, it, it was really, really cool to see that. We have and, German listeners you know, though, each, so we love you. Yeah, we <laughs> go Germany. Um, I'm actually from Germany 150 years ago. <laughs> Wow, you're a, you're a young looking. I, I age well. Wow. I age well. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So that's kind of the the way you're supporting uh, by drinking delicious coffee. So and the bonuses are substantial. I yeah. saw on the transparency. Yeah, anywhere report. from fifty to over a hundred percent in boost of profitability, mm-hmm. depending on the price of coffee at that moment, how much we purchase from them. Um, you know, essentially is really the goal of how can we keep building upon that and really invest in them as people and just see where we go. So That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. With wait, us wait, 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 oh. Wayne, where can we find you? Oh yeah. <laughs> What's your Instagram handle? You're private, but people will, you know, no, he, I don't, he's no not private. No, I don't think I just, he knows how I to just, make it private. I just watch. <laughs> he's a lurker. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I can't remember. If you go on our Instagram and you look at us, we're following him. Yeah. Yeah. So you he used it in the beginning, you used Instagram as a way just to talk to me. So he, he like posted a picture of a squirrel and he was like, look, Yvonne, the squirrel came back. <laughs> <laughs> so if you find his account, it's the one with the albino squirrel. Albino squirrel yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be specific. And make sure you're following the stallion pancake. Oh, of course. At stallion pancake on Instagram, on Twitter, at stallion pancake blog. 4,000 people can't be wrong. Because freaking what? whatever... <laughs> Kathy Chen still has that stallion pancake on Facebook, and we will. Seems like down. you have that problem too, though. You're yeah. farmers first coffee went, call. Yeah, yeah, somebody. I know. We'll they find. Close. They don't exist. Anymore. I know. Yeah. What it's are these the people? They're sitting on these Facebook accounts. It's the worst. But no right. one uses Facebook anymore, so it's no. fine. Uh, we Wayne. we do have yeah, new. Tell tell everyone <laughs> <He does. laughs> right before we go. Tell everyone about our how we went viral this week. Uh oh. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we, I we have a picture of us with Massimo Massimo Batura. No big deal you know, from Osteria Francescana um, in Modena, Italy, you know, the chef and owner of the number one restaurant in the world. Um, no it's big a, deal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not bragging or anything. But anyway, it's a terrible picture of us. Massimo looks great. But I never posted it, but he was apparently on 60 Minutes. Um, he was on 60 Minutes. On Sunday or, or something. And Jason's parents called us and they were like, Wait, isn't this the restaurant that you've been telling us about? No, this no, guy's that's on not TV? what they said. That's not what they said. They're like, hey, there's this number one restaurant in the world. And we're like, yeah, we've been there. And yeah, they like, were like, really? you should go. It's like, they don't listen to us. Yeah. They're not super fans like Wayne. Yeah. Uh, but I figured since his parents saw it, everyone would have seen it. So I thought it would be a timely moment to post that. And yeah, we, we broke the internet. Move over, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> we got over 1,300 <laughs> likes. That's never happened on the pancake. So yeah, that's like pretty a million big likes day. for us. Yeah. So anyway, we both quit our jobs. What a week! We're yeah, we, we immediately full-time. once it got to 300 lights, we quit our jobs. Yeah. We, just sent, we just sent emails. We didn't even put in two weeks. I'm my like, own I'm boss, so I tomorrow. just sent it to myself. But whatever. And you got an out of I'm office later. reply. Yeah, I'm like, I'll get to that later. <laughs> but everyone, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another guest, special guest central. Farmers first.